Let's get into some word. Ready? Judges chapter 13 is where we want to go. Judges. The 13th chapter. Now last week we began a new series of messages. I entitled Power Gone Sour. And we've, we're talking about Samson. Samson. He, there were some uh, things that happened in his life, many things that we can draw from and learn from. Of course, he was a very interesting person, almost like a walking contradiction between the anointing and the power of God on his life and the character that he displayed, the things that he, uh, how he conducted himself. Self. And we can see even in today's uh, world, even in the church world, that there are individuals sometimes that have a great call of God. They are highly anointed by the Lord, but they, they lack character. They lack some personal growth, maturity, and development. And so it, it almost is a confusing issue to some people to see God working through someone who's so very carnal or so very natural and, and sometimes even sinful. And and so we're learning these lessons from the, from the book of, of Judges. Let's read here again in the very first verse and read the first five verses to set this up. It says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And as we talked about last week, we read that, that really Samson did just begin to deliver Samson, uh, Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. He never completed the task. He never, uh, he never did all that he could have done. He just began to do it. But how could someone be so divinely called and anointed and be so, such a spoiled brat all their life? You know, how could someone act the way that he acted and do the things that he did and yet have such a, an amazing, powerful call on their life? Even today, we know that gifts and anointings will work through the immature. And uh, those gifts, in one sense, they stand on their own. They are uh, effective because of what inherently they are. Uh, and we know this, that the Lord... Um, told us this when he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We know that, that signs and wonders, the working of God, these things follow the preaching of the word. They don't necessarily validate someone's character. They don't necessarily validate someone's um, uh, belief about everything that they have that, that they have in their mind or every action that they take in their life. But a person, whoever they are, if they'll speak the word and someone will believe it, how many know God will go, on, will go to work in that, in that situation? 
Scripture tells us he watches over his word to perform it. So he's looking for someone just to believe, someone to speak the word, someone to declare what Jesus has already done, and then he goes to work. Again, that could come through someone who has a wrong motive. Could, it has. It could come, come through someone who has fallen, someone who, is, who, who has sin in their life. And uh, I'm remembering that, that even the Apostle Paul talked about, um, uh, about individuals who were preaching the gospel, who were talking about Jesus, and their intent was to do him harm. They were only making it known to give him a hard time. So he would get into more trouble with the law, you know, get into more trouble with those who were opposing Christianity of his day. And he just kind of brushed it off. He kind of laughed, laughed about it and said, you know, I don't really care as long as the gospel's being preached, as long as Jesus is being preached. That's all I care about, whether by pretense or, or some other motive. He said, as long as Jesus is being, being preached, then, then praise God. Hallelujah. I'm paraphrasing that what he said there you know what i'm talking about but uh, again the lord uses his word he confirms the word with signs following he doesn't necessarily confirm someone's life or someone's activity uh, and this is exactly what's going on with with the, the life of samson of course he had a gift he had an anointing upon his life and he was being mightily used of the lord because of that gift now skip down to the 24th verse again Judges thirteen twenty four. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. Anybody remember what Samson means? Sunshine, sunlight. It was a dark day in Israel, and they named him Sam- Samson, basically saying uh, the, the uh, there's a dawning of a new day. You know, they were in bondage to the Philistines for 40 years, and God was bringing in a, a new deliverer, a, a new person to deliver them from this bondage. And so it was like turning the light on. It was like the f- sun is finally coming up after a long, long night. And uh, so they called him, him, him Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Maneab, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. Uh, and so God began to move on him at a young age. They were living in this place. Well, uh, Eshtael was in Philistia. And, uh, well, see, that was very close to where they lived. Samson lived in this place called Zorah. And, uh, and again, like I said, Israel was oppressed under the Philistines. So he was living right there close to their oppressors. Now, something interesting that we read back up here in, in verse 5 is this issue of Samson being a Nazarite, that he would be a Nazarite from birth. Any Nazarites in the house? And, okay, now I didn't say Nazarenes. <laughs> uh, any, any, any Nazarites. That was a, a unique thing in their day where someone would take a Nazarite vow. Okay, and let's take a look at this for a moment. Some of the things that were included in this, when someone took a Nazarite vow... They would, were not able to have wine or intoxicating drink. And you can, how many can see why you would tell Samson not to get drunk? I mean, I mean, someone who had intoxicating drink, this would inflame passions. You know, I was talking to uh, one guy in the church and he, he told me he, he used to, well, he, he likes to work out and stuff. But uh, he said at one point he was taking these, um, uh, what do you call them? <laughs> that was not the word I was looking for because no it wasn't steroids but performance enhancing <laughs> drugs uh, and uh, anyway he told me later this particular substance got banned 
But he said he was gaining a lot of weight and getting a lot of muscle real fast. But he told me at the same time, he said I, got real, he said I was really angry. <laughs> How many know that's a bad combination? Big muscles and anger. Yeah. Anyway, you can see uh, one reason why Samson was to be a Nazarite from birth. It's like, stay off the sauce, dude, because <laughs> there's an anointing on your life, and you're going to mess a lot of people up. All right. So they could, no wine. Secondly, no razor to his head. Uh, couldn't cut his hair. And, and one of the things that in their day is when someone had leprosy, um, and they were cleansed of leprosy. They had all these, uh, these laws of the leper that they had to abide by. One of them was they had to completely shave uh, their hair and go out of town. And it was a sign of uncleanness until they could be brought back in. And so uh, he had no razor to his head. And third, uh, a Nazarite vow had to do with they could not be around. They could not touch a dead body. Okay? And so that was a disqualification for service. Um, in uh, in their time, all right. So if you're uncertain, just don't touch your neighbor here today. Uh, no, but uh, uh, back in Numbers chapter six. In fact, turn there with me. Numbers chapter six. This explains and goes through some of these things. Uh, a Nazar a Nazarite, or what that meant, is it means to separate. When someone became a Nazarite, they were separated to the Lord. They were holy to the Lord. And and, in Numbers chapter 6, let's look here in verse 1. This kind of goes through some of what was required. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink, He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from a similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. Uh, he, He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair on his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, uh, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister, when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. And so this took high prominence in their lives even if someone in your family died they didn't go to the funeral he said no this this supersedes that this is more important than that this is your separation your dedication to the lord now we might think of it in our in our day because this is not a new testament practice uh, no matter how long your hair is you're not a nazarite okay uh, but this is not something we practice but it is similar in one sense to what we call uh, consecration that we, uh, how many think it's, it's good, it's a right thing for a person to consecrate their life to the Lord? To say, I'm dedicating, consecrating, giving my time uh, and so forth over to the Lord. It might be, it might be like a, when a person goes on a fast, a, a person who fasts, that would be similar to a Nazarite situation where, I mean, why in the world would you do that? Well, you're denying the flesh, you're denying the things of this world, you're setting yourself uh, apart for the purposes and the use of God in your life. And so that's an honorable thing for a person to do. Um, 
I know sometimes it could even come out in, in, in situations like Bible school. I mean, we, we, have a, we have a Bible school, and I'll tell you, we have had a, a, a number, quite a few uh, students, scores of students, that have gone through our Bible school that do not have a five-fold ministry call on their life. They're not called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, but yet still within their own heart, they set aside a year's time to consecrate their life to the study of God's Word, to the development of their own spiritual life and, and growth in God. And how many think that's an honorable thing, even whether or not God, you had an outstanding experience or some divine call to do a, an outstanding work. You're just a, a Christian. You just want to live for God. You just want to be used of God. You just want Him to flow through your life. And so you choose, I'm not going to eat for a few days or something. I'm going to have this time to God. I'm going to go to Bible school. I'm going to do something because I just want to be used. I want to be, I want to walk closely with the Lord. See, this is an honorable thing to do. It's not required, but some people choose to do it. It's of their own choosing. Now, the Nazarite is a similar situation. They weren't from the tribe of Levi. In the Old Testament, the only ones that were called to ministry, to do the works of God in a ministerial sense, course, things looked a little different then than they do today. Uh, but those were, you had to be born into the tribe of Levi, and then the, that was the priesthood. But what about someone else who wasn't born that way, and, and they just had a heart and a desire to serve and to, and to be used of God? Well, this was like the closest thing they could get to it, okay? It doesn't change the call, but it's a person's own initiative. In the New Testament, uh, we have someone like John the Baptist. In the Old Testament, we have someone like Samuel uh, who um, took a Nazarite vow. Um, And Samson was a very unique person in this regard because he didn't do it just for a special time, which many could. They could become a Nazarite for a month, okay? Uh, You know, no shave November, is that what they call that? Anyway, I don't think that's where that started, but anyway, someone could do it for a special uh, set period of time where they would dedicate to the Lord. But Samson was unique in this regard is that he would be a, he would be a Nazarite from the womb. It's like his whole life, he is going, he is called, he's, an, he's to be separated for the things of God. Now, uh, uh, when it came to the New Testament, of course, like I said, we don't see that anymore. We see... Uh, Uh, that when Jesus came, this type of vow left, but we still are to consecrate and dedicate our lives to the Lord. But how many know that Samson's strength was not in his hair? It was not just, well, if you have long hair, you're going to be really strong. But I imagine that there were probably some people who tried it in the day. (laughs) I mean, the, uh, the, the Lord started moving on Samson at a young age. And he's got this long hair. I think maybe there were some other kids, probably, that saw, hey, you know, and their mom took him to the mall to get a haircut. And they fussed and fought the whole way. No, I'm going to be like Samson, you know. And they're, you know, they're trying to lift, lift weights and different things. And <laughs> how many understand that an outward observance is not the answer? How many understand copying someone? Or mimicking their outward behavior does not give you the anointing that they have on their life. One of the best things that we can do when it comes to our relationship with God and even being used of God is to be ourselves. 
not mimic, not copy someone else, not try to say it like they do it or just do it exactly like they do it, but recognize I'm a unique individual and my consecration, my commitments to the Lord, my inward um, dedication is of far greater value than growing my hair out because someone else does or whatever. You know, we're not going to do that necessarily because we recognize there's not, you know, power in that per se, but someone could mimic other things that they see in someone who is mightily used of God. They want to talk like them and walk like them and, and do certain things or dress like them or maybe do their hair like them. But to have a, no, that's not the same as the anointing. These things are inward. These things are, are something that, that God gives a person and we should dedicate our lives to the Lord and make that be the main thing in our lives. But no matter what happens, act like yourself. Now, Samson... He was a very, again, unique person here because he never really grew up. Even as, a, as an adult, he was, he was acting like a child. He, he, he didn't conduct himself very well. Uh, you would think with the call of God that was on his life to be a judge, to be a deliverer of Israel, that he would have had a team. That he would have gathered around him a great army. That he, that he would have had a, a, you know, a bunch of... But he seemed to always be alone. And I know he lived outside of, you know, outside of the big city and he lived close to the, the border there. But he never, he never surrounded himself with other people. He seemed to be more, uh, more of a loner, didn't have an army like he should have had. And, and, and God, as far as in his life, was really there for more, more for convenience. More, when I need him, I'll call upon him. But other than that, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what pleases me. And maybe you've recognized yourself acting like that way, or probably not, but maybe someone else. You've recognized other Christians acting that way, that they, they, uh, when, they, when life gets hard, when they get in trouble, they run to the Lord. Yeah, but when everything's good, I mean, hey, have you seen so-and-so lately? No, I haven't seen them. What are they doing? Oh, I don't know. You know, everything's fine. So they're out of here. But as soon as they, I mean, I could tell you many stories of this uh, over the years. Just individuals, everything's fine. You don't see them. They're not involved. They're not engaged. They're not helping. They're not ministering. They're not doing anything. But when things fall apart, they're back. So what do you do? Well, we embrace them when they come back and show them the love of God and everything else. But how many know we should stop being children? (laughs) And we should grow up and we should stop with that type of attitude. That's no way to serve God. That's no way to live for Him. That's no way to to experience His best. Everybody sure, sure is quiet today. Is everyone okay? Everyone okay so far? All right, I say, I'm just growing my hair. Uh, <laughs> I think the person next to me, their hair's grown an inch since we've been in here. <laughs> well, there's a person in the first service that came wearing a Christmas tree. I didn't understand. <laughs> well, I didn't get close to them, but they were all lit up. Uh, is that person still here? Anyway. <laughs> they are flashing during praise and worship. There are lights going off all over their clothes. Anybody see that? You see it? And they were sitting right over there. I thought there was a Christmas tree in church. <laughs> a walking Christmas tree. I've heard of a singing Christmas tree, you know, with the choirs and stuff. Anyway, just wanted to let you know that. What you missed out for service. A lot of exciting things. I told the usher, that's way too charismatic for me. Go, go with me uh, back to Judges now again. Judges chapter 13. And, uh, and let's look at this a little bit more. Um, Samson, again, was a guy who was used to getting his way. And this happened, unfortunately, right, just as he was growing up. His, 
his parents didn't exactly do right. I mean, he was an only child. Um, they didn't have any children before him. Of course, they were barren. And they didn't have any children afterwards. So he grew up as an only child. And with this, such a spectacular beginning, a supernatural uh, announcement of his birth from an angel and, and all these things that were said that he would do and he would be, uh, their parent, his parents didn't deal with him correctly. They thought they would. They needed to deal with him in a special way, but they didn't. And, and they were they were part of this whole immaturity and self centeredness that he had going on in their lives, uh, and in his, his life. Judges thirteen. Now we read earlier, but now let's go down to verse twelve. It said, it reads here, Manoah said, "Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life?" And his work. Now, he's, this is Manoah, the father, Samson's father, talking to the angel. And he's saying, What's, how are we supposed to deal with him? How are we supposed to raise him? How are we supposed to treat this special child who's going to have this special anointing and call and be a great deliverer? What are we supposed to do with him? Now, you might think... That's a good question. I mean, if I had a child like that, announced by an angel, I might be asking those same questions. And so I don't blame Manoah for asking the question, but it's interesting the answer he gets. So the angel of the Lord, verse 13, said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from wine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink. Or it comes from the vine, excuse me, I must have said that. Nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Now think about it. Manoah is talking to the angel. This is a pretty good experience. Angel comes to the wife and then he actually requests this. And God sends the angel and the angel comes back to him. And he said, how are we supposed to treat this kid? How are we supposed to govern his life? And you know what the angel said? doesn't give any new information. <laughs> whatsoever he just said you know what i told your wife have her do that he basically didn't answer didn't answer his question at all he didn't give him any special rules any special guidelines for samson to be raised in do you know how many know, how many know when you get an answer and it's not exactly the answer you were wanting to be the answer it may very well still be the answer Sometimes we think, I'm asking a question, it's going to be answered a certain way, and it doesn't get answered that way, so we think my question was never answered, but maybe it was answered by the absence of, of, of what was not, yeah, it was answered in what was, what was not said. One man of God used to, used to say regularly, he said, I go just as much by what the Lord doesn't say as by what He does say. Huh? Someone said, well, the Lord didn't tell me I couldn't do this. <laughs> That's not a good rule for life. Are you sure you're supposed to go? Are you sure you're supposed to do that? Are you sure you're supposed to act that way? Well, the Lord didn't say I couldn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of things the Lord didn't say you couldn't do. huh? He didn't tell you not to jump off a bridge. He didn't tell you not to drink poison. <laughs> he didn't, you know, there's a lot of things he didn't tell us. The absence of God saying something is not permission it is not a, a reason for us to do thing, do something. But in this situation, that's what he told her. Now, here's what's going on. His parents obviously thought special birth, special announcement, 
special gifting and anointing and calling on our child's life, we must need to have a special way to raise him. But that's not true. That's not the case. You know why he didn't give them special instruction regarding Samson and his upbringing, other than that he's going to be a Nazarite? It's because he was still a kid. He was still a baby. He was still a kid. He was still a teenager. And he needed to be raised with the same principles of God's Word that every kid is raised with. It's not some, uh, some special system that he needed. The angel didn't tell him how to raise the child because it's the same as every other child. Many times parents who have children that have unique and special giftings, they treat them different than, than other kids. And in doing so, get, do great harm to them. We, we've often seen those who, uh, children who grow up in the spotlight in Hollywood. And we've seen how, uh, you know, whether they have great musical talents or, or acting talents and have these opportunities that again and again and again and again and again that they end up in disaster. They end up in, in, in drug use and, and multiple relationships and all this kind of stuff. When as a kid, I mean, they were, you know, they, looked, they were talented and fun and looked like they had an amazing life. But so often they don't turn out well. And one of the things, you know, I mean, a lot could probably be said about that. But I will tell you this, no matter what a child's gifting is, no matter what their special call or talent or ability is, there are certain principles, and that is the Word of God needs to be the same. It, it needs to be the way that, that, the, that these children are raised. You know, Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says that, uh, that we should train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Every child needs discipline from his parents. Why didn't this angel tell them how to raise their child? Because that's in the Word of God. This is the same for Samson as any other son. <laughs> right? This, this is the same for, for, for all kids. You know, in the New Testament over there in Acts chapter 12, you remember when Peter was in prison? Uh, of course, in prison, they would, Christians would get thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And, uh, and the angel came and delivered them from prison. And if you re- read that story, it's interesting how the angel showed up and told them, put on your shoes, tie on your shoes and grab your stuff and let's go. And then as they went, the door, the, the iron gate opened of its own accord. In other words, what was going on there? God did what they couldn't do. But the angel didn't put his shoes on for him. Huh? There, there's some things that the Lord expects us to do. There's, some, there, there's the Word of God. How many know, no matter what you're calling, gifting, God expects you to take His Word serious. Apply it to your own life. And if you won't do it, there's no amount of prayer, no amount of angelic visitation, or some supernatural, spectacular experience where all of a sudden God's going to do for you what He does for no one else. No, God is the same for me. He's the same for you. He'll do for one what He'll do for another. But there are some things we're supposed to take His Word at and do for ourselves. From raising our children to conducting our, dealing with our finances to dealing with many things in life. God's word is there. Use it. Well, I'm just praying. Prayer is not the cure-all to fix our absence of responsibility taking. There's, put your own shoes on. God will open the gate when you do. But if I'm waiting there for the Lord to put, for the angel to put my shoes on, 
I'm never going to get to the part where God shows up. You know what I'm saying? Where, 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 where God does what I, there's no way that I can personally do within my own self. And so, uh, how many understand that in, in ministry, God's anointings on a person's life to stand in a special place of ministry, to hold a ministry office, that those anointings do not extend to life. Those anointings do not extend into living. In other words, I have a call to pastor and teach, but my anointing to stand here and do what I do in ministry does not give me a special anointing to live. As far as that goes, how many know we're all in the same boat? We all operate on the same anointing. So, someone you may look up to and, and highly regard and respect in ministry, and you think, wow, they're so wonderfully used of God. What the grace is there. What power and demonstration flows through their life. But you know what? Don't be surprised if you see them outside of that flow of anointing if they look just like everybody else. <laughs> After they take a drink, there's uh, you know, air and stuff that comes up. And sometimes comes out and makes a strange sound. Even even the highly anointed. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, some have had a misconception that if someone's in a in a place of of uh, of ministry of full time ministry that they kind of live on a different level. No, they don't. They live on the same level as everybody else. They still have to believe God just like everybody else. I, I know I've known of ministers who have tremendous healings flow through their life and have struggled personally to get it themselves. Now, that's not an excuse like that's where they should be, but I'm just saying that anointing that flows through them, that's for ministry. As far as their own personal life, getting their prayers answered, their needs met, their bodies, str- all this stuff, it, they have to believe, they're no different than anyone else who doesn't have a special anointing, right? It's all about applying the Word, okay? Amen. You know, even in, in the days of Jesus, I, I, so, some don't realize how good we have it, in the sense that we don't have to see Jesus in the flesh. Some say, well, that doesn't make any sense. I would love to see Jesus in the flesh. Are you sure? Because we, th- we see Jesus in the Spirit. We see Him by faith. We basically see Him through what He said and what He did. And He's the resurrected Christ full of glory. We see him described in the book of Revelation and and and, and we see, we see him as as risen and I mean glorious and glorified. But you know when he was walking on the earth, he was the son of God, but he was functioning as the son of man, walking as a human being, had a physical body. He walked around in the dirt, he walked around in the heat, he sweated. He, he sweated, didn't get a, you know, a, a whole lot of showers probably, not a whole lot of hotels in the day. He's going around from meeting to meeting, you know, preaching and laying hands on multitudes of people. He was dirty probably a lot of time, probably stunk half the time. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus. (laughs) One of the challenges they had in their day is they had to see the anointing, the gift. They had to see what God was doing through a very natural looking person. 
Who would get hungry? Who would burp after he took a drink? Jesus. I'm sure he did it in a polite way. But, you know, you're around 12 guys. I mean... What are we going to do, guys? I mean, not that concerned. <laughs> anyway, that's one of the reasons Jesus said, you know, hey, you're better off if I leave. Because <laughs> when, I, when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And we no longer relate to Him after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We see Him only in His, you know, He's Jesus, the Son of God, raised from the dead, and, and, and these type of things. This is also true how we should be able to differentiate and distinguish between a person, their natural life, their natural self, and the anointing, the gifting of God. And it doesn't mean for a moment that we excuse or dismiss you know, ungodly behavior or immaturity and say it's okay. And the way that Samson conducted himself in many parts of his life not okay, and eventually shortened his ministry, kept him from fulfilling the complete plan of God, what he could have done. Uh, Nevertheless, we recognize and see the anointing. It's like, yeah, that's a pretty cool anointing. That's God. That's the grace of God. But how many know the grace of God is not on a person to live sloppy? God doesn't, he doesn't send his grace so we can do whatever we want. His grace is intended to to forgive, to wash, to cleanse, to give us right standing, but then give us an empowerment to live for Him, to give us an ability to live strong and live in a way that would glorify Him. So in finishing up for today, go to Ephesians chapter 6 with me. Uh, We see Samson born to uh, barren parents, announced by an angel. He was told how special he was all his all his life. He was I'm sure that account of his beginning was was told him again and again and again. I think he probably thought he was better than everybody else. Uh, he was often isolated from others, lived out of town. Um, but the anointing doesn't give you character. Sometimes parents want to give their children back to the Lord. <laughs> I didn't actually mean that in the way you just took that. (laughs) But they want to give them, you know, they have these wonderful children. They say, Lord, I'm just giving them to you. I don't mean back like (laughs) take them away. Hold them for me till I get there, Lord. Uh, uh, But they say, "Uh, Lord, I'm just giving you my children. You know what the Lord's response to that is? No, I've given them to you. It's not like, I mean, we can do a dedication to the Lord and say they're here for you and all that kind of stuff. And those are some very good uh, commitments we can make to the Lord. But as far as giving them to the Lord, Lord, they're in your hand. He says, no, they're in your hand. They're your responsibility. You must train them in the way that they should go. Highly gifted, you know, just look like everybody else. They're, They're still yours. Your responsibility. As a, as a Christian, you have a great advantage. If you have a relationship with God, you have huge advantage. We have revelation of of truth and light that makes free. And we can and ought to and need to use these principles to train our children up. But we can't just turn them over to the Lord and say, I'm just going to, hands off here. (laughs) Your hands off, devil's hands on. Your hands off, the hands of the world. And all the lies and ungodliness of our world will be on them. Children need active 
active guidance from their parents. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. How many parents, have, that's your favorite verse, to share with your children. And you know what? Your children ought to know that verse. I, I, it's very right for parents to say to their children, you need to obey, you need to honor, and if you don't, you're going to have a short, miserable life. And you've got verses. You've got, thus saith the Lord, to back you up. And it is true. So we say that joking. That's our favorite verse as, as parents to give to our kids. It ought to be. Now, it's not the only verse. It's not the only thing that we're, we only have a household of compliance. There's love and a lot of other things that can come in there. But they need to know. You're going to not have a very good life if you don't obey. Parents, by the way, I know this is... This is just kind of a little mini parenting seminar here for a moment. Uh, when children are little, don't encourage them to obey. Make them obey. Make them. All right. When they're old, hopefully they got it. But, it, it, you know, it's like seeing a little kid going to the bowling alley. For, you know, real little and they haven't, haven't had any experience bowling. You go to the bowling alley, what's going to happen is they, if they can get that ball to go, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen like 90% of the time? It's going in the gutter. And so sometimes the bowling alleys will put up those bumpers on the side and, and they basically block out the, the, the gutter. And what happens then? Little kids can go up there. As long as they can get enough momentum to get it to the end, they're going to knock some pins down. But the bumpers keep them out of the, out of the gutter. And how many know parents need to put up some bumpers for the kids? Keep them out of the gutter. Hopefully then, by the time they grow up, they've learned how to stay out of the gutter without the bumpers being there because no one's going to put a bumper there the rest of your life unless you go to jail or something. You know you know what I'm talking about? Most of our lives, we have the option. And we can totally get off track and get messed up, but we have to have learned to stay away and not even to, you know, dance around on the edge. Stay in the middle, you know. Stay far away from, from sin and ungodliness and unrighteousness. And so uh, children are told to do this. Parents are instructed to enforce this. Uh, verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Children need training. They need discipline. He... Uh, they, they, they need to be taught. They need to be trained. They need to be taught the Word of God. They need to be taught the way things are supposed to be. Not allowed to do anything they want. Samson, we'll look at some of this more, but he would tell his parents what to do. He would say, go get me this. Do this for me. And they would do it. And that's a horrible thing to have happen when a, when a child is growing up. Even a gifted child should be raised just like everybody else. Samson eventually found out that the world did not revolve around him, and, uh, and it didn't, and didn't, didn't go so well when, when, when these things were discovered. Hopefully you and I have learned that the world does not revolve around us, and there are some things that we need to put into practice called character and discipline and things where we're going to uh, consecrate our lives to the Lord and be in there for the long haul, not just here one day, gone tomorrow. A lot of people rising up quick and falling, down, falling back down. But we are among those who need to be in it for the long haul. And so we've got to have some character. Amen.
Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness toward all. We believe that you are at work in this day, not only through, high, through gifting, not only through anointing, not only through calling people to a special place of ministry and, 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 and use in your kingdom. But Lord, you're calling us to mature and grow and develop. Lord, you're calling us to, to be in this for the long haul so we can not only begin what you've assigned us to do, but Lord, we can complete it. We can finish the task and be there all the way to the end. So thank you for each and every individual here today. They hear your voice. They know your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. For this we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.